Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Executive producer Paris Hilton brings back the hit podcast, How Men Think. And that's good news for anyone that is confused by men, which is basically everyone. It's real talk, straight from the source. The How Men Think podcast is exactly what we need to figure them out. It's going to be fun, informative, and probably a bit scary at times. Because we're literally going inside the minds of men. Listen to How Men Think on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Turnout. We started this series in the past understanding the origin and history of our ongoing fight for voter rights. And as we wrap this series about an issue that doesn't look like it's going to be solved anytime soon, we want to consider its future. Where do we go from here? What lessons can we take with us? And what impact might this election have on our ongoing push for a more inclusive democracy, a more perfect union? Because Americans saw up close precisely how the election system works, what its flaws are. There's a real opportunity, finally now, to mobilize around passing laws that actually shore up our elections and protect voting rights. Later, we'll explore the future of voting rights with a few of our previous guests. But first, how do we start to understand what we just went through? How do we put the 2020 presidential race into context? To answer that, we took a virtual trip to Appalachia. I have very little signal. I'm in a very mountainous area, and basically, if you're not in the same little holler with the tower, that's that's it. Greg Cruy is a middle school social studies teacher. If you hear my new puppy bark, 
Uh, I've got a dog that uh, we adopted that's four or five months old, and it barks at everything. <laughs> and it's his job to lay a civics foundation for our next generation of voters to explain our system, our elections, our democracy. I work in War, West Virginia, in McDowell County, with sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And uh, I'm also the president of the American Federation of Teachers in McDowell County. I'm an activist. I'm a church musician, I'm a husband, I'm a dog owner, uh, I could go on. McDowell County sits in the southernmost edge of West Virginia in the central Appalachians. While it was once a center for coal production, it's now one of the poorest areas in the country. McDowell County is a place that has been robbed. Its natural resources were stripped away. Uh, and it was left with very little. And, and I'm talking, of course, about coal. And, and uh, the description I'm, I'm giving probably describes most of southern West Virginia. Uh, it's a place of contrasts today. On the one hand, it's poor. And on the other hand, it's rich at the same time. It, it's, it's economically depressed. It gives you kind of a rural Rust Belt feel. The families are torn up by drugs. The opioid epidemic here is horrible. Grandparents are raising kids because the biological parents are often so strung out or in jail or dead. The people feel the weight of worrying about how they're going to scrape by next month and wondering who's going to die next, either from drugs or just stress of poverty in their lives. On the other hand, there's a lot of pride that people feel about just being here and having made it in this rugged part of Appalachia. This is a community filled with military veterans who served their country well. It's one of the highest rates of military service in the country. The community is salted with little churches that are far more concerned with loving and helping people than they are with politics. Uh, and some of the nicest, most generous, most self-deprecating people that you could ever hope to meet live in the communities around my school. McDowell County is home to about 18,000 people, the vast majority of whom are white. I think... McDowell County has one of the largest black populations in West Virginia, but it's still only at 10 or 12%. We're a very white community. And in elections, this community tends to vote red. We have a very conservative community up here, and it's historically belonged to the Democratic Party and we're in a transition at this point where it's becoming more and more acceptable to switch parties and call yourself a Republican. I tell my kids, today we think of Democrats as being liberals and Republicans as being conservatives, but it's only been that way in my lifetime. There are probably more registered Democrats than there are Republicans, but 80% of the county voted for President Trump. I've had kids this year come in wearing face masks that have Trump 2020 on them. Uh, and, you know, that's that's cute. That uh, there's nothing wrong with that. They 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 look at me and they know what I think. And it, it's it's interesting. They come in with bumper sticker sort of views of politics with the, you know, the Democrats are going to take our guns. Uh, we need to build the wall. They just, they're on the Trump train, and they'll tell you, you know, they're on the Trump train. And um, it puzzles them if you ask why. It, you know, they, they don't 
they don't understand that there's a, a community of people out there in other parts of America who aren't on the Trump train. I think that key is to get them thinking about issues, uh, not just people. They have to understand that it requires thought, that it's complicated. I try very hard to talk about issues and um, to, to divorce those issues from parties or candidates and have them think about immigration or think about gun rights or welfare, health care, the environment, uh, you know, and get them to see that those issues are multifaceted and complicated. My goal is, is critical thinking. I'm not trying to persuade somebody to believe one thing or another. I mean, these are little kids. I just want them to develop the skills that they need to understand what's going on and, and decide what they think is best and take part in the decision-making process. I teach a unit every year on fact versus opinion, and I, I keep it completely separate from anything that has to do with politics. You know, I work very hard to get my students to be able to distinguish types of statements. Is that a statement of fact or is that a statement of opinion? And to feel an obligation if they think it's a statement of fact to decide whether or not it's true or false. A statement of fact, I tell them, is something that can be verified by sources that reasonable people can agree on. And um, it's their obligation, if it's important to them, to go find out whether or not the statement is true. If it's a statement of fact, they can go look that up. If it's a statement of opinion, then it's their obligation to decide whether or not they agree with the person's opinion. I teach it every year. And so for my kids, uh, repetition is the heart of learning and they get it three times in three years. And hopefully by the time they leave here, they can tell the difference between fact and opinion. Mr. Cruy also teaches the importance of civic participation by example which is why he doesn't shy away from showing how he engages in the election process. I had somebody comment that students should never know their teacher's personal political views. And I, I find that incredibly naive. My wife, who is a retired principal, and I are involved in mentoring kids. We're part of the community. We visit their churches. We work at a Christian camp in the summer that many of our students go to. And they know I have a sign in my yard and a bumper sticker on my vehicle. You know, so the idea that I can prevent them from figuring out who I support, I don't think I give up the right to participate in politics because I become a government employee. And as a social studies teacher, if I did keep it from them, I would model exactly the opposite of what I hope to achieve with them which is I model participation because I want them to participate. And um, I don't know how to get around that. The kids come into my room knowing that I have a Biden sticker on my vehicle and they look at me and they say, do you really support Vice President Biden? And uh, I say, well, you know, the question is, who do you support and why do you feel that way? Let's talk about it. And I try and turn the tables on them and, and make them develop the skills to articulate why they like somebody. And if their answer is, I like President Trump because mom and dad like President Trump, that's good enough. Uh, you know, and I, I try my best to affirm that in them. I don't, I don't denigrate that at all. I try my best never to be disrespectful 
uh, of the president because I don't think that gets me anywhere, and I I don't think it's professional. I'm not trying to shake personal political opinions at the moment so much as I'm working on a set of skills, and these kids are going to be in school for another five or six years, and that chance to shape those skills, I'm laying a foundation that I hope somebody in high school will pick up and you know build on. I have to keep that perspective of do these kids know what they need to know or have the skills that they need to have to participate. The kids whose situation in life is the worst, the disenfranchised, the people who economic development policy and uh, decisions by local government are going to help or hurt them the most, and yet they don't know how to take part and participate. Those are the people that hurt the most if we if we don't have adequate social studies instruction. But, Mr. Cruy says, as a middle school teacher in one of the poorest regions of the country, civics vocabulary and lessons on the importance of voting often take a back seat to more immediate concerns. I'm a first responder to poverty, so I, I go to... I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. School and I deal with students because they need care. If on top of that, they understand academics, that's an added bonus. But without the foundation of them knowing that they're cared for and that that somebody's concerned about their welfare, you don't get any of the other stuff. And, you know, we're looking for a way to shape strong adults. If they don't feel loved, if they don't have a good self-image, if they don't make it to adulthood, it doesn't matter. It, that, you know, that, that's the goal. The goal is to produce strong, healthy adults. That was Greg Cruy, middle school social studies teacher from War, West Virginia. Coming up, the biggest takeaways from the 2020 election and their impact on the future of voting rights. Mm-hmm. 
After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 9021OMG, join Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind-the-scenes stories that actually happened. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Get all the juicy details of every episode that you've been wondering about for decades as 90210 superfan and radio host Sissany sits in with Jenny and Tori to reminisce, reflect, and relive each moment from Brandon and Kelly's first kiss to shouting, Donna Martin graduates. You have an amazing memory. You remember everything about the entire 10 years that we filmed that show. And you remember absolutely nothing of the 10 years that we filmed that show. <laughs> Listen to 9021OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When P.T. Barnum's Great American Museum burned to the ground in 1865, what rose from its ashes would change the world. Welcome to Grim and Mild Presents, an ongoing journey into the strange, the unusual, and the fascinating. For our inaugural season, we'll be giving you a backstage tour of the always complex and often misunderstood cultural artifact that is the American Sideshow. So come along as we visit the shadowy corners of the stage and learn about the people who were at the center of it all. In a place where spectacle was king, we will soon discover there's always more to the story than meets the eye. So step right up and get in line. Listen to Grim and Mile Presents now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more over at grimandmild.com slash presents. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now that the 2020 presidential race is behind us, well, almost, and with that modicum of hindsight, I wanted to get a sense of this election, of its place in our voting history, its potential impact on democracy, and what lessons we might glean from it. So we decided to check in with some of our previous guests. My name is Wendy Weiser. I am vice president for democracy at the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU Law School. This election was a really unprecedented election in multiple dimensions. First, and and happily, we have an unprecedented level of voter turnout. More Americans voted in this election than in any other election in American history, um, the highest percentage in over a century. Um, And that is great news for democracy. The more people participate, the stronger our democracy. We conducted an election during a once in a um, century pandemic that obviously created serious and unprecedented challenges Um, It it changed the way many Americans voted across the entire country in a really short time frame. 
And we successfully accomplished that election under such challenging circumstances. If we look at how we voted, we, we voted in um, new ways. And, and in that way, our election was unprecedented. We had a huge surge in absentee and mail voting and a huge surge in early voting, Americans voting before Election Day. So we spread out the election process. Americans took advantage of all the different options available to them. And so that was really new. And we were able to accomplish that and that massive change, again, in a short period of time. It was unprecedented in some negative ways as well. We did see a huge surge in efforts at voter suppression, targeting voters, trying to make it harder for specific groups, particularly black and brown voters, to participate in the election. We saw a surge, not as much as was feared, of people actually trying to interfere with the voting process and disenfranchise voters at the polls on election day and during the early voting period. The other thing that was really unprecedented was the push by the campaign of the president of the United States and those working with him, both to undermine the integrity of the election and to try to make it harder for eligible Americans to vote, or even to, after the fact, disenfranchise eligible Americans who did participate in the election. And that is not only unprecedented, but shocking and ongoing and something we've not seen anything remotely like it before in American history. I am Gilda Daniels. I'm an associate professor at the University of Baltimore School of Law. I'm also litigation director at Advancement Project National Office and the author of Uncounted, The Crisis of Voter Suppression in America. The fact that we had more than 150 million votes and almost 80 million people voted for uh, one candidate uh, is astounding because we thought that the system would break under the weight of people actually doing what, this, what we're supposed to do, which is actually vote. We don't anticipate that people will participate at the levels that they should. Right? And so that's why you have long lines, because you don't have enough machines, you don't have enough workers, you don't have enough ballots, those kinds of things. So if we could, if we could raise our expectations, <laughs> one of the things I've learned from my children is that they rise to the level of my expectations. So I think if we raise our expectations, I think we will have a, we would have a better system. I'm Tyler OKK, Vote at 16, youth organizer with Power California and a second year student at the University of Chicago studying public policy. In this election, we saw that it seemed like across the board, there was this push and enthusiasm behind getting more people to vote. We saw it from corporations, we saw it from non-governmental agencies, grassroots organizations like ours. But my fear moving forward is that will we continue to keep this emphasis on access to the ballot and um, the provision of the, the right to vote to everyone? Will we keep this energy up when maybe the stakes aren't in the favor of the, the corporations that are invested or the organizations that are invested in the election somewhere or another? However, when it comes to the policies that states like California and other progressive states adopt around voting, I think there will continue to be major pushes around how we make the ballot more accessible. I think that mail-in ballot will continue to be a constant. I think that ballot drop-off boxes will continue to be a constant. I think even we'll be having more conversations about how we digitize and make more of these things accessible. And I think 
The coronavirus pandemic has allowed us a testing ground for many of these avenues to the ballot that weren't explored before. And I'm hopeful to see how how well we can expand how we allow people access to the ballot box, but also how we have conversations about how to vote and the procedure around voting. I think this election has really created a culture around voting and civic participation that I that I know will continue. But like I said, my anxieties are around um, the buy-in that corporations have, which we've seen is usually in alignment with their economic interests at all times. One of the takeaways from this election is that it took way too much mobilization outside of government just to shore up the basic right to vote. We did not invest sufficiently in our election, and we came very perilously close to not being able to provide an opportunity for everybody to vote safely and to a situation where there could have been widespread election meltdowns if we didn't have that mobilization of resources and support from outside of government, we could have had a real disaster on our hands. And it also took way too much just to ensure that Americans knew their voting rights and had those voting rights protected and were um, not thwarted by unfair obstacles that are still there in our election laws Um, and that can still be taken advantage of by those who want to thwart voter participation. Coming out of this election, we need to invest more in our elections because we cannot count on this level of mobilization and public propping. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. ...up of the election system that we saw this year in our future elections. I mean, that is unusual. That was, it, it was a great show of patriotism and support for our democracy, but we cannot demand that from Americans every election just to be able to have free and fair elections and to continue as a functioning democracy. And we need to shore up our voting rights laws and our voting rights protections. Because if we don't, 
restore the critical protections of the Voting Rights Act, which are there to prevent discrimination in the voting system, if we don't um, actually create a baseline set of voting rules and voting protections for every American so that people can conveniently access the voting system, there will be continued manipulation of the system to target voters for disenfranchisement. And let's be clear, these are not targeted at every voter. In this election, we saw extreme and blatant targeting of African-American and other um, voters of color for disenfranchisement, both before the election and in the post-election disputes. This cannot be acceptable in our voting system going forward. The biggest takeaway that I think we can take from this election is that it's more than one day. That it's the work that has to be done months before, even years before, that enabled us to have this large uh, voter turnout and that the fight continues. It's about giving people the ability to vote early, to vote by mail, to vote curbside, to, you know, for persons who are returning citizens or formerly incarcerated persons um, to, to vote. It's, it's, it was about laying that groundwork months before, years before, to try to make sure that access was a possibility and that people could utilize the right. And it's the work that happens after election day, work that we have to do as citizens and ensuring that the folk are representing us, right? And it's like, we still need to be contacting our congresspersons, even though this is a lame duck session. So what I'm hopeful that we got out of this election season is that it is in, indeed a season and not just an election day, that the work goes on, you know, before, during, and afterwards to make sure that this democracy works to its fullest potential. We should be under no illusions that all is well in the country right now. And there's so much work to be done. So as long as we continue to say that we care for our communities and that we're invested in political change, it means that we're involved in this work all the time and, and even beyond voting, right? So if you can't vote, if the next opportunity to vote will be in two years, there are things that you can do to build power and to continue to educate people around you so that they're prepared to make critical decisions when it comes to voting or when it comes to um, running for office one day, maybe. But I think um, we should always stay focused on the material conditions in our communities. And I would say as of right now, they have yet to change or get better. And that's something that we need to focus on. We're going to take a short break. But when we come back, hope. Yep, you heard it. Hope. Are you an architect, contractor, or engineer looking for more knowledge about energy efficiency? Here's your opportunity to fuel your future. PG&E's energy centers offer more than 500 free online classes. Get practical insights, continuing education credits, and prepare for a range of certifications. From industry experts through live webinars or over 80 on-demand classes, enroll at pge.com training. That's pge.com training. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, 
Editor-in-Chief of Instar Magazine, Laura Brown, and Creative Juggernaut, Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on Season 2 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Let's be honest here. We deserve some good news, right? Luckily, there were some positive lessons from our 2020 election experience. Our guests, Tyler O'KK, Gilda Daniels, and Wendy Weiser, share what gives them hope for the future of our democracy. First, here's Wendy. The sheer number of people, not only that showed their belief in that vision and in that system, but that were willing to sort of mobilize and dedicate resources and time to realize that and to make sure it happens in the face of so many threats this year is a strength that gives me a lot of hope for our ability to fix it going forward. And I think that we can't let up. This was not just one election. Those threats are still present. Those um, ideals and, and strategies are now going to be deployed by others in the future. And we can't let up until we put in place much more solid guardrails in the system to prevent its undermining and to ensure that every eligible American has a fair opportunity to participate conveniently and without discrimination. What makes me hopeful is my uh, children, because I think they were engaged at a level that I certainly was not engaged at that age. So they certainly make me hopeful and young people in general, right? And I, I called it moving from protest to power. That they moved from the protests of the spring and the summer over the murders of Breonna Taylor, Amanda Arbery and, um, and George Floyd to going to the uh, voting booth because they actually, young people actually turned out in high levels as well. So it wasn't just about Democrats and Republicans. It was about uh, groups of people who generally don't participate who turned out to vote. And I think that that is certainly what makes me hopeful. And I'm hopeful that it, that it, that it continues uh, beyond certainly November 3rd of 2020. Where I pull hope from is how people have really sat down and reconsidered how they think about race relations in this country. I think with the contradictions that we've seen with the coronavirus pandemic, um, seeing that people are not able to have stable access to food, stable access to housing, stable access to their jobs. This moment where every two years we're in a moment of depression and chaos, I think that's something that people are really sitting down and interrogating. And I'm hoping that that analysis that people are making privately leads to a shift in political convictions when it comes to also how we vote, but more importantly, how we advocate and what our expectations are of our political leaders. You know, the racial reckoning that we've had with the response to police brutality, as well as the contradictions that the coronavirus pandemic has shown to both our systems and economy is what's gonna keep people critical and also keep people focused on building a stronger, more resilient future. Although we had more than 150 million people 
cast ballots. We certainly had a higher percentage of turnout at 66%, but that's 66%. That's better than we've done in the past, but why don't we have 80% turnout or 90% turnout? My ultimate goal is universal suffrage. I'm not happy with 66% turnout. And right now in this country, we do not have a system where uh, people can register uh, on the same day. Same day voter registration should be universal in this country, right? This idea that if you don't register 30 days before the election, then you can't participate. That's a longer waiting period than we have for someone to get a gun. So we still have these rules that just don't make sense. If we're going to have a democracy, then the vote has to be central and and the ability for people to access the vote has to be made easier. Uh, And I think, you know, I'll continue to work until until that happens. That was professor and author Gilda Daniels. You also heard Tyler Okeke of Power California and Wendy Weiser of the Brennan Center for Justice. And thank you one more time to Greg Cruy, who, by the way, we found through a fantastic article in the Washington Post written by education reporter Hannah Natanson. Listeners, turnout may be ending, but the fight for voting rights goes on. To find out how you can help, check out the description of the episode you're listening to right now, where you'll find links to all of our guests, their organizations, as well as related and helpful books and articles. And you can keep up with me and what I'm up to and what I'm covering on your favorite social media channels and by signing up for our morning newsletter. It's called Wake Up Call. Just go to katiecurric.com to subscribe. What can I say? People love it. And for more of me in your ears, keep an eye out for a brand new season of my podcast coming out in February 2021. Until then, I'm Katie Couric. Thank you so much for listening and stay engaged, democracy fighters. Turnout is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric and Courtney Litz. Supervising producers, Lauren Hansen. Associate producers, Derek Clements, Eliza Costas, and Emily Pento. Editing by Derek Clements and Lauren Hansen. Mixing by Derek Clements. Our researcher is Gabriel Loser. And special thanks to my right-hand woman, Adriana Fazio. Meanwhile, yes, I'm Katie Couric. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. When P.T. Barnum's Great American Museum burned to the ground in 1865, what rose from its ashes would change the world. Welcome to Grim and Mild Presents, an ongoing journey into the strange, the unusual, and the fascinating. In our inaugural season, we'll give you a backstage tour of the complex and unusual artifact that is the American Sideshow. 
Listen to Grim and Mile Presents now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The art world, it is essentially a money laundering business. The best fakes are still hanging on people's walls. You know, they don't even know or suspect that they're fakes. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is a podcast about deception, greed, and forgery in the art world. I just walked in and saw this bright red painting presuming to be a Rothko. Of course, art forgeries only happen because there's money to be made. A lot of money. I'm listening to how what they're paying for these things. It was incredible amounts of money. You knew the painting was fake. Um. Listen to Art Fraud starting February 1st on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.